Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. A few months ago, during the time when the bushfires that ravaged outback New South Wales were in full force, I got a message from my brother-in-law about a brewery that he discovered. He described his location as somewhere halfway between Coffs and the Goldie, and the beer was fucking great. His favourite was the XPA, and he sounded like he had enjoyed a few that afternoon. Crafted in God's country is how they describe their beers, and from what I sampled this week, they might be onto something. They were absolutely delicious. I'm talking about Sanctus Brewing Company. The brewery hasn't even celebrated its first birthday yet, and it's faced bushfires and a global pandemic. Talk about facing a rough start. So, to tell us more about their plans for treating the good people of Clarence Valley to great craft beer, please welcome Sanctus Brewing head brewer, Banjo Hilliard. Hi, Chris. How are you going? I'm going well. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. No problem at all. Mate, uh, let's take it. Take this way back to 2019. <laughs> yep. Actually, that actually does seem like a lifetime ago it at the does. moment. <laughs> but, uh, tell us how Sanctus got started, mate. Well, about it would have been about two and a half years ago. Um, I met the owners uh, down in Albury. I was brewing beer down there, and they just talked about how they always wanted to start a brewery up. I thought oh, I'll give them a hand to nut out a few pricings and all the equipment they would require if they were thinking about doing it. And then, probably eight months after that, the, the owners said we bought a brewery and then or brought the brewing equipment, and I moved up to. Yeah, New South Wales. Yeah, fair enough. And what about your whole journey into brewing? Because you're a winemaker by trade, aren't you? Well, originally I've only been brewing um, relatively short time, maybe six or seven years. So um, originally I was a heavy construction um, scaffolder, uh, rigger, uh, crane operator, um, working overseas and offshore, and then uh, moved back to stay and work on land. And my father and I, during the um, in between working and then coming home, we had a winery and it was been running as uh, making wine, but not open to uh, serve, uh, have a cellar door. So my wife and I moved back there to open the cellar door up. And it just so happened that my dad didn't um, tell me the winemaker was retiring. So I pretty much took over the viticulture and winemaking role. I did that for about a year and decided to do my degree in winemaking. Um, so I started doing that. He also had a, a small brewery there and a small distillery. So I could play around with things in between working in the bar and restaurant and all that kind of stuff. And then I just fell in love with the, um, with the process, well, learning something new and um, working with new ideas and new knowledge base. And then after about a year and a half, we decided to move to Melbourne uh, to uh, continue my uh, winemaking career and it was closer to Wagga where they, I had to go to university as well and the Yarra Valley that's um, renowned for its winemaking skills. Yeah. Yeah. And once I got there, I worked out it was quite hard to get into the winemaking game. So I put my name as a um, 
in a few other places and one of them was a brewery and I pretty much got the job straight away because mainly because the, uh, the wine making background and yeast management, um, and all that kind of stuff as well. So they pretty much took me on board because even a lot of breweries, even five years ago, there wasn't much of a skill set for brewers coming into a brewery role. Uh, so, and then I had canning experience and, um, bottling experience and that kind of stuff as well. So, what was sorry? What was the brewery that you were you were talking to? Uh, Highgraves Hill, in oh, uh, Highgraves Hill. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so I was there for I think it must have been two years. I'm not sure now. Time flies for me. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and then I become the head brewer there as well, uh, just towards the end. And yeah, it was, it was great. It's um, going from wine making where you're just doing a vintage and then playing around with the wine to doing um brewing pretty much on a daily basis and use management and um was good you you get to play around with things faster than you would do with uh winemaking yeah. do you feel there's more room for you to play as a brewer than a winemaker uh yes yes and no say so for winemaking if i was uh, because i was running the vineyard as well um and it was it was fairly big so it was still 120 ton a year that would be making so i could as a, working in the vineyard, I can control the style of grapes, um, the size of the grapes, the uh, uh, water level, tannin level, and um, before it even got to the winemaking part of it. And then I can play with my yeast strains. I can play with heat, um, time, temperature, tannins. Whereas in brewing, but that's only once a year that you can do that with brewing. Yeah, yep. I can I can still choose my grains, but I'm not multing my grains. But I still can choose a malter. Um, style in my beer, but then I can do that each week. I can change a pale ale from week to week or to make it a bit better, but I can have that chance to play with it more often. Probably almost equal parts that you muck around, but it's just you're repeating it far more often with the brewing, aren't you? That's correct, yeah. You get you get a wine wrong one one uh, vintage, and you gotta wait till the next yeah, year. Yeah, pretty much. Mistake. Yeah, and especially <laughs> yeah. especially for trends in flavor profiles. Um, the, my winemaker who taught me when you went to like say for instance a uh, uh, wine show, you never taste anything. You just go and taste the gold medal wines, and then that's a flavor profile most people are looking for, and that's what you not try to match or mimic, but that's the, okay. that's what you try to go for um, for the next year. And then you go back and taste your own and then taste other ones and then the day is gone then. Got a question for you. Do you like the show? And do you want to help support the industry that we all love by spreading the craft beer gospel far and wide? Well, there's one thing you can do and it doesn't involve putting your hand in your pocket and pulling out your credit card. Nope, just click the Apple Podcast link in the show notes and leave a review and a rating. The Apple Podcast gods do the rest and you will feel all warm and fuzzy for doing your bit for craft beer. That's all. Back to the interview. Okay, so that's sort of your background. Tell us how you and the Iconas came came to meet and, and you know, strike up this partnership. Well, it's... So when I first met them, I was working um, behind the bar. So one thing um, from moving away from Hargraves, whereas I was doing a lot of production brewing, is I wanted to get an understanding of um, how patrons understand beer. Many times as a winemaker or as a brewer, you don't see that constant face-to-face opinion of your beer, which don't, don't get me wrong, it can be a bad thing. I've had a lot of people... 
um, come up and go, oh, don't like that. We go, oh, okay. Especially people who haven't tasted craft beer, they're tasting a double IPA and then another craft beer would go, oh, that's amazing. But you, you get that. So uh, my role at the, at, um, in Albury was to um, brew the beer and also to to run the bar and which again is another um skill set i had to learn yeah and so uh it must have been a busy friday night um because i was i do make um we made pizzas behind the bar as well and so as a as a brewer people ask me questions about the beer um but i'm still trying to serve other people and then you 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 choose conversations as they come about and you you try to give as much people um much of the people as much of you as you can during the um, during the night, and then the O'Connors uh, they had just happened to be there uh, for um, business and saw there was a brewery. Came through, looking around, and I took them through all the beers that I made there. There would have been about sixteen of them, and I was trying to give as much time as I could. And then they said, "Oh yeah, um, they've always wanted to start a brewery. It's uh, just always been a passion of theirs to." make one up. Um, they told me they were from Yamba and because I'm originally from WA, I didn't know where Yamba was or, <laughs> um, and then even like researching, you see it as a tourist town, but you don't get it. I'm not I, um, understanding of what it's like, but I'm, yep. I tend to, And so once he said that he was passionate about making it, I kind of want to help. So I, I gave him all that I, uh, all that I knew, all the information, they went back and then they started uh, talking about the uh, the project. They already had some land in Townsend, so Townsend uh, is off just off the new freeway. Uh, it's a small community in between Yamba and McLean, and that's where the brewery is actually situated. Uh, they already had a an old bus shelter um, that they had. Um, I think it's maybe just over an acre, and they hadn't done nothing oh, yeah. with it. Then they decided. Oh, we'll put it there. And I also do a little bit of um, AutoCAD, so 3D AutoCAD, because it's easy to explain and draw pictures, but to see something that you can spin around and go, actually, that's that's how it would work. Yep. Um, so I did all that for them so they can understand um, what it's going to cost. And then, yeah, it's uh, we pretty much uh, decided I come up here once and then just to see the area, which is understandable just to see what it was like but i pretty much made my mind up that i would come up and give them a hand anyway because they're, they're very nice people very caring uh very giving as well uh so yeah decided to do that and then i think i rocked up in february and then we opened up in october so we pretty much did everything um concrete grinding i did all the installation of the brewery oh wow all the um electrical uh yeah all, um electronics plumbing building <laughs> bloody everything oh yeah everything so tell us about the the kit that you put in then because uh, it's not like i was i was looking at uh you know obviously doing the research into the interview and you guys are obviously like pretty much the brew pub model sort of yep. thing but you guys are a little bit bigger than that aren't you in terms of you've got a bit bigger kit and a, a pretty nice canning line yeah yeah so originally we were going to get uh source our uh, brewery from overseas AKA China, because uh, <laughs> uh, there's some good quality, and even a lot of Australian um, uh, breweries are coming out of China made. They're just a matter of uh, keeping up with the consistency and quality. Uh, but we've got a good guy in China who 
uh, can make sure that it happens. But before we went to press a button on the order, um, a brewery had gone through and um, uh, we ended up getting a second-hand, um, yeah, second-hand brewery. And, oh, right. And so it was already in Australia. We didn't have to do nothing. So it's a spark system. It's a 15-hectolitre spark system, two-vessel yep. uh, with uh, elements, so electric elements, um, yep. two 20-kilowatt elements. So we've counted done that with um, solar panels on the roof as well. So nice, yeah, nice, yep. just to be a bit more neutral. And, uh, yeah, so – and then we got – um, there was three, uh, sorry, two 15 hectolitre fermenters, two 30 hectolitre fermenters, and then three 15 hectolitre bright tanks. Um, so, yeah. Um, so plenty the, of beer then. Yeah, plenty of beer. <laughs> uh, it's always hard on a new system as well because uh, pushing out 15 hectolitres of a one beer style and like all the way, this, and like we didn't start making beer till. Yeah, a couple of months before October. And so all this time up from February to um, a couple of months before October, we um, they had not even tasted one of my beers. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a pretty big leap of faith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It used to be, uh, well, it's all going to be good unless you make good beer, Banjo. Yeah, okay, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and and so they they didn't have any input into the vision of what the lineup of beers were going to be. It was all all nah, you. We talked about it. Um, I've done a bit of. Uh, I've done like I've got a uh, diploma of marketing, so it, I kind of look at things differently right. than just yeah. making the beer. So like, and we talked about what's the biggest beers are drunk up in the north coast. So four X Golden Two is new. It's interesting you say that because I was going to ask that because you know basically. You've, you've sort of gone with an approachable range of beers, haven't you? And I was wondering whether that was really in the back of your mind that you need to try and convert some of those, you know, north northern New South Wales coast drinkers from from Great Northern and Forest Gold. Yeah, I reckon eighty percent of uh, people who ever come to me for me being behind the bar, giving you a pint of beer, so the brewer himself giving you the beer, say, "Here you go, mate, have a have a go at that." Eighty percent of those people don't like craft beer. So they, like they, they either craft beer people will come in to drink craft beer. They're not coming to drink a commercialized lager because they can get that anywhere else. But yeah. people traveling through, you have to accommodate for them. Yes, yeah, them, I agree. Yeah. yeah, make sure that every time someone walks in the door, they have to have the best experience they've ever had because that's what takes away a new understanding of craft beer. Yep. So it's always that goal of mine. Yeah. No, fair. So what did you go with as the original lineup then? Uh, the lager. Uh, yep. the, the lager, the pale, with a bit more malt forward. Um, blueberry. And yep. the blueberry sours because I made it before and uh, one of the owners loved loved it and then so I made it again. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I, what I did is this time was I made a semi-sour. Um, so I, I was going for that. That, uh, I, I have a, a score called a smashability score, how well yep. you can just take a big drink of it and whether people would do that. So it's a semi-sour. The pH has dropped um, down to about 3.7, which isn't too low. Uh, so it's not super sour, but it's in that refreshing range. So you think of like yeah. um, uh, Solo. You know, our solo is not yep. too sour, but um, it's enough to when you it's have enough. a drink, yeah. uh, it, it creates saliva, so you think you're thirsty, so you have another one, but not so much yep. that you go, yep. oh, yeah, that's 
quite. And yeah. if if you're going to get a forex gold drinker and his wife maybe likes a few cruises and stuff like that coming yep. in, then that has to be something that they would drink. Right. It's it is exactly my mindset. And in, in fact, my wife and I we shared the the blueberry last night together because. Uh, as people who have listened to this podcast would know that I'm a big advocate for those sort of entry-level sale beers being a great way to bring in the females, without sounding sexist, bringing in the females, the wives or whatever, who have drunk one champagne for their entire life and now they're, you know, we're in our 40s and they don't love the taste of beer, but that seems to be that gateway beer to to get them in and interested. Oh, absolutely. It's uh- uh, you, you always talk about the um, the craft beer market or the beer drinkers market as a bell curve. Uh, the 80% of the people in the bell curve don't drink craft beer. They either only drink craft beer or go in and out. So, And then yep. more people that are coming into the, um, the venue, I want them to drink craft beer. There's other options there for them to try, but it's changing people's perceptions that craft beer doesn't mean what craft beer perceived as and then it changed that perception. So are you starting to see people's perceptions? I mean, it's only early days up that way, but are you starting to see people sort of come in and, you know, come back regularly, recognise the beers, know what they're drinking, maybe, yeah. you know, see them advancing through the lineup? Is that happening? Absolutely. Like we're still open for takeaways and there's still yep. guys coming in and getting uh, cartons of XPA and the carton of blueberry for their, for their wives. Yeah, <laughs> That's great yeah. to see. Um, you know, obviously we didn't really go into the canning line, but, You've got a pretty significant canning line, haven't you? Oh, it's it's still the, uh, just second up from the entry level, so which is a cast canning line. So it's still a good quality. Um, it's got a depalletizer, spin rinse, uh, a labeler, and then just a um, we're still packing by hand at the end of it. Yep, it yep. runs about one one point two people, so one person packing, and me just in and out fixing things. And so. By doing that from from the get go, there was obviously a plan somewhere along the lines to, you know, get your beer out further and wider than just just your local area. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we we're, we're lucky in a way that when the virus or the pandemic came through, we hadn't wholesaled too much yet. We was we were still yep. trying to make enough beer for us to actually sell behind the bar, and so. Yeah, trying to get it to that point and then building stock up. And, yeah, because I was working behind the bar as well, uh, we're finally getting the right people in. And even working behind the bar, it's you you need to train new people up into selling beer uh, as a product rather than RSL workers coming in going, they know, already know what they want. So you just give them the beer that they yeah. want. So you're selling a product yeah. and just getting that training in regional areas. Yeah. yeah. So now having the time to set back up and um, get the stocks up is good. Then we'll start wholesaling. Who um who designed the cans, by the way? They look awesome. Uh, so Crafty Instinct. Um, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I've spoken to the, them on the podcast. Yeah. Jesse Jungawala. Yeah, yep. absolutely. That's it. Yeah. So I actually worked with her in uh, San- uh, Sanctus, in Hargraves. Yeah. Oh, because that, is that Beatnik? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we spoke about that. Yeah, oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, it's a small world, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so she designed it. It's awesome. I love the use of the colours. I love the, the use of the of the, the logo. Do you want to explain sort of the, <laughs> the two heads or whatever? I, whatever you're seeing, you see different things, don't you, with the logo? That's right. So, like, it was, it was funny because I was still in Aubrey back then and um, – Jesse had sent the logo through and the owners were, um, I think they were overseas and 
they rang me up and they go, oh, that's that's amazing. I like the idea behind because we've already been through another um, uh, designer before that, but we just wasn't getting to where we wanted to go. And then we yep. decided to put Jesse on, and then from there the. Uh, yeah, I was talking to them, and they said, "I said, oh, do you do you like the um the chalice?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I love the chalice. It's like it's it's because we want it." So, um, and then I said, "Oh, you like the faces?" And they go, "What faces?" I said, "The <laughs> the two faces on there." They go, "There's no faces on there. It's just a chalice." And I said, "No, look, if you ch- follow the chalice." And they go, "Oh, wow!" And it, it's more of that. Um, it, it was well, sanctus means holy in Latin. And then it goes yep. into that um, our tagline, which is uh, crafted in God's country. We didn't want to. Yep. It's it's more about everyone's got their own ideology. What God's country means, the farmer out east, out west, has their own opinion of what God's country is. So, like when we call it a big river XPA, everyone's got a big river near them. It doesn't have to be yours. It doesn't have to be my big river. So it, yep. it was drawing on that, but we didn't want it to be a, a total. Um, uh, Christian theme with crosses and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so the chalice is something that you search for. It's um, yeah. So yeah, it just worked, and it was a str- yeah, it's, it's, it's a strong image as well because it's you can it's two things in there. So the more time yeah. you spend looking at an image, the more it embeds into your subconscious. No, and, and obviously uh, you serve the beers in those awesome glasses yeah. at the at the brewery, which ties in nicely. My yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law somehow struck up a deal with one of your bartenders to, oh, that, to that buy would, a half that, dozen that, of them. That would have been me. I always oh, say, <laughs> yeah. The answer, the answer is always yes. Can you buy some? Yes, you can. <laughs> always yes. <laughs> he, he felt like he got a he got a great deal on them, and uh, I've seen them at his place, and we've drunk out of them. So, yeah, they are great, great, great glasses. Hey, um, speaking of, of God's country, I mean, earlier this year we had uh, the bushfires sweep through you know, surrounding areas and that sort of thing. Yeah. How, how close did they come to the brewery for you guys? Well, we, before they started, um, the fires um, started ramping up down in um, the Blue Mountains and that, probably two months before that, we had a lot of fires yep. um, up near us. Uh, within maybe five kilometres, a lot of uh, – Oh, sl- wow. Yeah, yeah, down um, Golmarad and down Gowrie. The way uh, there was just um, close to houses down there, seeing the few um, big bombers go through. Uh, yeah. But because we're set, we're surrounded by the Clarence River, so we're kind of safe in a way. Uh, it can't. It, it's very hard. It's a very wide river, so not many chances it would come over. Been hard for the fire to jump. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was the community support like? You know. Post the uh, the fires, hey, good. I, I, we, I think, because we weren't affected too much, so a lot of the more regional areas were, uh, because we've still yep. got three, four, or five smaller communities uh, around us that weren't too affected. Um, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, what's what's been worse, the bushfires or COVID nineteen for you? Uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. It's been worse for me because I've got more work to do now because we moved, because we've uh, got a distillery coming as well. So we've got a 500 litre distillery coming. Um, oh, yeah. God, just to add another thing into the mix. Yeah, which means I had to move the bright tanks and recut them, um, re plumb them, uh, paint the floor, build a brick wall, uh, move, take the canning. Once again, you're doing everything, are you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't do the brick wall though. 
Um, no. Yeah. So we did the, yeah, had to take the canning line apart, repaint the floor because we were going to do that in winter, but um, just trying to do it now. And then we've got yeah. uh, another shed going up as well because we're running out of room. Yep. And then we're putting in um, uh, worm gardens. So we've got, uh, so all our scraps, oh, nice. um, all our waste goes over there, feeds the worms. We've all, most of our um, spent grain, we've got a farm there as well. So we feed the cows, cows come back in to the kitchen. Um, Sounds awesome. We're doing, yeah, commercial garden beds. The owners bought a, it's called a farm bot. So it's a 15 metre by 3 metre wide. CNC automatic planter. So it goes out, <laughs> picks, picks seeds up, plants them where you want them to go, and then monitors the growth. It gives them some tests of water, and waters each oh, plant shit. individually, and weeds everything. So it comes across, searches for weeds, and pokes them in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, so we've been, hell. We've been pretty busy. Uh, we've opened up uh, – uh, the kitchen for takeaways Thursday to Saturday, yep. and that's enough just to pay the wages with um, JobKeeper, but just. So, yeah, uh, yeah it'd be good just to – it feels like we constructed, opened, whirlwind, stops, construction, whirlwind, open. <laughs> <laughs> so did sort of COVID-19, I guess because you're so, so pretty new and fresh, COVID-19 sort of just meant you pulled some things forward as opposed to having to completely change your, your direction because some of it was still kind of being worked out, was it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, yeah it, we, we just wouldn't have the time to do it um, any other time, so we're just taking the opportunity. So we extended the bar a little bit uh, to make it more workable. Um, the kitchen's had a couple of renos just to make sure it's more workable. And, yeah, with a new shed going in and, and more car parking as well. We just didn't expect it to be. It's hard to say. I could. I, I've done a lot of research before coming here uh, for what Yamba is and the amount of tourism that it comes down from the Gold Coast. So when it's school holidays, everyone from the Gold Coast comes down here because everyone else goes to the Gold Coast. So yeah, Yamba's just phenomenally busy. Um, so not not having a true understanding gauge of prediction of how many people were going to come to the venue. Um, so yep. yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah it's been good, but it's been bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just, just quickly touching on the, uh, the distillery, are you going to be creating the, the whiskey wash yourself to create this? Are you just going to concentrate yeah. on gins or? or I even, you know, even the gins, I'll too? still make a wheat base. Yep. Yeah. I don't think we'll buy the ethanol in. Yep. No. No, it's, fair enough. It's, fair enough. Is that all under the Sanctus branding too? We're not sure yet. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think it might be. Uh, yeah, it might be just a bre- – yeah, we're still in discussions with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because there's going to be some big rums and gins and vodkas and because we're the canning yeah. line there as well so we can can a lot of it. All I want to do is just make some rum so they can put some – Imperial Stout, and then take that out and put some more rum in it, and just keep going, mate. Uh, an old an old mate of mine, he's a bit of a bogan back in the day. Used to have this saying: said uh, when you've something's going good for you, used to say, mate, you've been kissed on the cock by a fairy. <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's you right now because you're you've gone from winemaker, then brewer to being able to do all these amazing things in a great venue in a great part of the world. It sounds bloody all. I'm jealous, mate. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Actually, it's just uh, yeah, we're still being so busy. Um, just doing things, but I, I like being busy and I like learning as well. I need to know 
why and how everything works. So, uh, yeah. And so, um, you know, once I, th- I think I actually heard today that the New South Wales government was starting to, you know, open up the tourist market a little bit and, you know, released a few of the restrictions. That'll be good for you guys. Yeah, I think I just read before that um, there's, they were talking about New South Wales a bit longer, just travel internally. Yeah, well, yep. we're not still open, ready to open yet. And even 10 people, even 20 people can be quite hard, especially if you're going to be running full menu. Um, Yep. Our staff running food and all that kind of stuff. So we might just do twenty people sit down whilst, uh, um, yeah, twenty people sit down while you wait for your takeaway. So you can have a couple of beers before you take your takeaway away, um, yep. and just do that until it gets up to the hundred. And there's probably a bit more financially viable than to yeah, really start no, up. Fair enough. And it's a lot of people like just like with the hand sanitizer thing. So many people jumping up and quickly doing it. We waited to see uh, is it the thing we want to do and rise, um, put the prices up just to flood the market with it. We don't want to go too fast, too quick. And um, and what about for those people you know that aren't in New South Wales? Will they be able to get hold of your beer in can form through you know the the Dan Uncle Dan's or anything like that? Yes, we haven't really got there yet. We're still in the talks. Uh, or yeah, it usually you have to show um, continuous. Um, wholesale production to be able to show that, that you can do it um, because we haven't got yep. there. But then even like in the local Coffs Harbour, that is sort of another 20 cases, which we didn't, we, we haven't done anything and they're the ones uh, doing it for us. So yep. um, once I start getting brewing again, then we'll know that we can start wholesaling a lot more and, and doing the retail here and then by the internet as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so people can order online. Yeah, uh, currently, at some stage soon. Yeah, yeah, currently they can. Yeah, yeah. Yep, sounds nice because uh, I'm hearing very good things about your uh, triple B stout. <laughs> well, that at, uh, double figures. Yeah, that's right. Well, everyone like I made so many beers for everyone else. I had to have something for, for me, <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. I mean, I love it. I, like even this, every stout I've made and worked behind a bar, you always get the. Yeah, like on Sundays, the first beer I sell is an Imperial Stout. Old guys ah. with their wives coming in, they love big dark beers and they just have um, one or two at their lunchtime. And then you get the young guys who have one and then 45 minutes later they're gone home. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. On, on the website, <laughs> I love how you describe it. Pale ales and lagers are temporary. Real stouts last the test of time and strengthen the heart of our souls. That's great. <laughs> that well, is great. I wanted to do like on the, the writing on the back of it just to see what people like. Like, it, you know, there's so many – you read and then they, they describe it, but doesn't describe the beer itself. Yep. Yeah. And my old winemaker says the best way to write tasty notes, you get a bottle of wine, you drink it, and then you have another one and you start writing. <laughs> that, that, sounds good. that sounds like good advice. <laughs> uh, any, any advice, speaking of advice, any advice you've got for those wanting to follow in your footsteps? I always say constantly change the product. Like the, my biggest fear is making a beer that I like that no one else likes. You know that, yep. like with uh, really small breweries who like home brewers stepping up into um, to wanting to start bigger breweries up is don't always listen to your mates. Listen to what other people because that, that, that other people could say it's the best beer they've ever had, but then if you're trying to sell it to the public and the public won't 
don't like yep. it, then that's my biggest fear. I thought you were about to break into a bit of rock set there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, bit of a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, mate, it's been fantastic talking with you today. Unfortunately, I've got to uh, get back to work to my real job, so I've got to, <laughs> got to cut the interview short. I'm sure we could have talked for a long time, but uh, yeah, uh, the, the Clarence Valley, halfway between Coffs and the Goldie, as it's been described to me, yep. and the beers are fucking great. Absolutely. How good is that for a rep- recommendation? Yeah. And absolutely God's country as well. <laughs> yeah, nice stuff. Uh, I'm I'm hoping once the uh, travel restrictions are lifted that we we're not going to be going overseas for a couple of years. So yeah, I'll be keen to get up up your way and um, and come and pay a visit face to face because uh, I really have enjoyed those beers this week. So thanks for sending those down to me to try those. And uh, anybody else, jump on the Sanctus Brewing Company uh, website and you'll be able to find some for yourselves. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. Beautiful, mate. Thanks for your time today. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.